Good morning. Well, I am so sorry that I cannot be with you in person this morning. It appears that COVID is still floating around out there and has made its way into our home this past week. Uh, So we decided to take the safe route and I will be back with you live next week. I am very thankful though for this technology, this technology that allows me to just be with you in a sense this morning anyway, and to bring this word that I think is so um, important uh, to God right now that we hear this, that we hear this as a church. And so uh, this morning we're gonna be starting in an area where we're gonna take a brief look, just a real quick look at, at one of our 21st century technologies that many of us use, because I think it can help us get an insight, get a little bit of a perspective on a very low tech very first century illustration that Jesus is going to use in the passage that we're looking at in the book of John in chapter 15. So how many of you guys either have or you have at least seen uh, a smart watch or maybe earbuds or maybe you've used a, a wireless uh, mouse on your computer or a wireless um, computer keypad or maybe, maybe you have a, a your cell phone that you can connect to your navigation system in your car and you don't have to plug anything in. Or how many times have you taken and you just, you needed a photo that somebody else had and they just, they send it to you very quickly, almost seamlessly uh, from one cell phone to another. Or maybe you've even been able to turn up your thermometer or lock up your home using just your phone. And what is it that allows us to do that? It's It's a wireless technology that we use regularly called Bluetooth. And if you've ever used Bluetooth, you know that you have these two devices that seem to be fairly independent, but then you can link them, you pair them. That's the term that's used. You pair them so that they can operate together with amazing results. In John 15, Jesus is talking about another kind of pairing that he desires for us to do, a very powerful pairing that we can have in our lives but he, he does it with a very first century spin to this illustration. So let's stand together as we hear these words of Jesus from John chapter 15, verse one through 11. I am the true vine and my father is the vine keeper. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it so that it might bear more fruit. You have already been pruned by the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, which really in our 21st century jargon means pair yourself with me. Abide with me, abide in me, and I in you. Just as a branch is not able to bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. I'm the vine, you are the branches. The one who abides in me and I in them bears much fruit. And apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, then they are thrown away, just like you would throw away a severed branch and they become dried up. And then they are gathered together and thrown into the fire and burned up. But if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Because this brings glory to my father in that you will bear much fruit then and so prove to be my disciples. Just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. So abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept the Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you so that my joy may be in you 
and that your joy may be made full. Abide in me, pair with me, connect to me and stay connected and you will see some amazing results in your life as well. This morning's message is titled, Abide. Let's pray. Father, we wanna thank you for this morning and we wanna thank you for the way that you have made yourself available to us. The way that you have allowed us to connect with you on such a personal level that we can hear your voice and that you hear us, that we can feel your heart and that you, you know exactly what is going on inside of us at any moment. Father, we thank you for that gift that is ours in Christ, that gift of your Holy Spirit who actually comes and takes up residence inside of us and lives in us that we might be paired with you. Father, this morning we need to hear from you. We need to hear about this this gift that has been given to us and this, this longing that you have to be connected with us and us with you so that we might truly discover that life that you intended for us, that life that you created us for. Father, help us to listen, help us to quiet our hearts, help us to pay attention to what you're saying, both through your word and through your spirit as he speaks to us this morning. We pray this for your glory. We pray this in the name of Jesus, your son. We pray this by the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen. You know, I'm convinced that one of the greatest fears that we have as human beings is that at some point, somehow in our lives, we will end up finding ourselves truly alone. Human beings don't do well with alone. Not physically, not psychologically. If you isolate a child from their mother, it can stunt their, literally stunt their growth. It can destroy their health. If you, if, if you have a teen who's rejected by their peers, it can, it can crush their spirit. It can ruin their self-esteem and and even the stability of their lives. Even adults can be ruined by something like solitary confinement. If you put someone in solitary confinement long enough, doesn't matter how, how rigorous they are, how strong they are, it can drive them just stark raving mad. We may think and claim to be independent, but the reality is that we don't do very well We don't even know who we are without the regular input and that regular kind of uh, interaction and meaningful interaction with other human beings around us. That's how we learn even who we are. You know, when we lived in in Colorado, Carrie worked at a senior living uh, community and and there was this man there that that, um, he had obviously been very successful in his life. Um, but he had never married. He had never had any kids. And at this point in his life, all of his, his family, so his brothers and sisters, his mother and father, they, were all, they had all passed away. And so um, he was there well into his 80s now. And, and here he was all alone. I mean, truly alone. And while on the one hand, he would brag about how he didn't need anybody, uh, to have a good life. He would, he would scoff at people when they'd ask him if he had ever, um, if, if he ever had kind of missed or, or regretted the fact that he hadn't gotten married or that he hadn't had kids. But then regularly, even the, in spite of all this talk, you'd find him down in, in the lobby, just, just kind of within earshot of where Carrie worked. 
And he'd be down there and he'd sit there and just have a conversation with Carrie far enough away that he could claim that he didn't need to have it, but close enough that he still could. And, and you say, well, why did he do something like that? Well, because he was, he was alone. He was alone and human beings don't do well with alone. Now, uh, along with that fear of being alone, I also am convinced that one of the greatest hopes that we have in our lives, something that we drives us on for a long time in our lives is that we hope that at some point, somehow, we might find that true and that ideal companion that we're always looking for. We look for that person in our marriage. We look for that person in friendship. We look for that person, whether it's in our neighborhoods or in our workplaces. We look for that person in our classrooms and in our clubs. Sometimes we seek them out in healthy ways. Sometimes we are even willing to pursue a relationship, hoping it will be this companion in some very unhealthy ways. And what drives us again is that fear that we will find ourselves alone. We, we hope that instead we can find this companion. One of the biggest, I think, disappointments is when reality actually breaks through and, and we realize that there actually is no perfect companion out there anywhere, not even us. And at that point, you know, we might realize there are a lot of good people. There's a lot of great friends. There's a lot of um, spouses that, that are, are very good together. And they, but the reality is, is that we never find that idealistic version, that, that companion who, who loves us exclusively, who's attentive to us all the time, who actively engaged with us, unreservedly pursues us. Because honestly, it's just not even possible to find that person in this world because this world is full of regular broken people. And yet that's what we desire. Here in John 15, Jesus really is offering just that. He's offering us a pairing, not with, not with another broken, fallen, self-consumed, fearful human being, but with himself. A pairing with himself, one who is perfect and eternal and self-aware, but selfless someone who is is consumed only with with loving us, who's relentless in his pursuit of us. Here is one who is able to tell us who we truly are because he knows, because he made us. And he is also able to help us become that person who we were created to be. He has the resources to actually do that. He is that companion. He is that ideal, that perfect companion that we have always longed for. That's why in verse one, Jesus says, I am the true vine. Jesus knew that there's, there's many uh, people out there, many things out there, many causes out there that claim to be that vine for us, that, that will give us meaning, that will give us purpose, that will give us fulfillment in our lives. Our careers can promise that at times. Money, sex, power, they, they promise to be that fulfillment for us at times. Thrills and, and um, experiences, addictions or distractions. Sometimes even that, that idealistic hope of relationship and marriage or in friendship, it can claim to do that for us. But all of those are at best really just shadows, just just imitations, reflections of the truly powerful pairing that comes to us when we enter an abiding relationship with Jesus. In Colossians 1.16, it says, all things have been created through Jesus 
but also for Jesus. He was there at creation with the Father and with the Holy Spirit when he was putting the world together. But he also says that in him, everything, even us, we find our truest and our deepest meaning of our lives. This is also why we see Jesus taking so much time talking about these branches in John 15, where he's talking about branches that are connected and branches that are cut off and branches that are thrown to the side. Because in this simple illustration, this very low tech, this very first century illustration, what he's saying is he's showing us that when we see a branch, we realize that a branch only has its meaning. It only finds its truest meaning in being connected to a vine. And also in bringing forth fruit. There's something that, 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 that branch is for. And we only find our truest meaning when we are truly connected. As human beings, when we are connected, we are paired with Jesus. And we're brought together with him in this relationship. Outside of connection with the vine, a branch is good for nothing except to be used as firewood. It dries out. You just you toss it in the fire. Outside of our connection with Jesus, our pairing, our relationship with Jesus... We may think our life is meaningful. We may think it's impactful. We may think that it's purposeful, but Jesus says that there's no real fruit because you can't have any real fruit. There's no fruit to be found outside of a connection with him, a relationship, a pairing with him. And this isn't about God just kind of wanting his own way or demanding and saying, you know, it's no good if we don't do it his way. This is Jesus saying, you know what? I created you. And I created you with the intention that you would be paired with me. That's where you would find your very life. So it doesn't matter what you think of your life. If you're not paired with me, in the grand scheme, you're just like this branch. This branch that has been disconnected from the vine, that's laying in a corner. It's just drying out slowly, just waiting to be gathered together and turned back into the elements from which it came. You guys, our faith, we need to realize, our faith is not that somehow Jesus makes sense to us. Our faith is that Jesus is the only one who can make sense of us through a relationship, through being paired with him. He is the vine. We are the branches. And so what does he say that is a result of this pairing with Jesus? What is the result that we see in our lives? Well, verse seven says that we, if we pair our lives with Jesus, we'll find that our prayers are regularly answered. It says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you want and it will be done for you. In verse five, it says that we'll, we'll find that there's meaning, we have meaningful impact both in our lives, but also through our lives. It says, this brings glory to my father that you bear much fruit. We have fruitful lives. Verse two says that God continue, will continue to develop our lives if we, are, if we are in this relationship with him. Every branch that bears fruit, my father prunes it so that it might bear even more fruit. Verse eight again, it says that we will be known as those who are, have learned from Jesus himself and whose lives reflect, look like Jesus himself. Listen to this. He says, you will then bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples, those who have learned from me, my students. And then verse 11, and I love this one. It says that we'll have joy and we'll have a lot of it, a lot of joy. It says, these things I've spoken to you so that my joy might be in you and that your joy might be made full. So abiding is not just 
something that's meant to bring comfort to our lives. It's not just a way to find that companion so that we don't feel lonely. Abiding truly, what Jesus meant for this pairing, for what to happen through this, is he meant for us to find our meaning, our, the purpose of our lives. Uh, it's great to have the byproducts because there's no doubt that we, we also have this, this um, companion that we don't feel lonely. It's that we have this byproduct of, of just of comfort and, and having that companionship and someone with us. But Jesus says, you know, abiding is the thing that gives our lives meaning, that gives them the truest meaning, that help us to truly understand ourselves and who we were meant to be. So that sounds like a great life. I don't, I don't know what it sounds like to you. I just, I feel like, I mean, when, who wouldn't want to have that kind of a life where your prayers are answered, where you're constantly growing, where you're constantly seeing that you have impact, where you have this immense joy? Who wouldn't want that? Our only problem is that usually we want, we live in a world that things become, you get things immediately. And, and we want things right now. We want things, you know, we look at this and we say, well, I, I need that by tomorrow. At least I, maybe even this afternoon. Well, how about right now? We look at what God is offering. And, and if I'm honest, I say, you know what? What I want to do is I want to just say a quick prayer. And, and, and I want to connect with Jesus in a way that I can go home. I can get everything that I pray for when I get there. And then I can get on with my life. But that's not the point of this. That's not what abiding looks like. That's not what Jesus is offering us here. Learning to abide, it actually, it takes time. It takes effort. It takes, it takes an extended amount of time. And because unlike a vine with branches, when we go into a life with Jesus, it takes time to get deeply connected with Jesus. Why? Because we're so out of sync with him right now. Our, our minds, our values, our, we don't think his thoughts. We don't have his perspectives. We don't, we don't know his ways. We, we don't have his habits of grace and of loving one another and of caring for one another and of, of doing things that, that regularly that are more helpful than they are harmful. So we have to, we have to be completely transformed through this process of abiding. And sometimes it... You know, sometimes when you try and sync up two devices through Bluetooth, you find that it takes some time. And it takes some time because maybe something's wrong with the device or maybe the signal's being you know, interfered with somehow or, or sometimes it's just a problem with the person trying to operate it. There's even times when it takes plants time to sync up. If you take, it gives an illustration in Romans 11 where they've taken a branch for one, from one tree, in that case, and, and grafted it onto another tree. And if you take a branch from one plant try and graft it onto another plant, it takes time. There's a trauma that happens. It takes time for it to recover. When we are grafted into Jesus, it's gonna take time. It's gonna take time for us to sync up to his life. In Romans 12, 2, it talks about this transition, talks about this process of what it takes to be grafted in, what it takes to abide, to sync up and to pair up with Jesus. And it says, do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That'll take time so that you might be able to prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Or in 2 Corinthians three eighteen, it says, with unveiled faces, we are looking and we are seeing as in a mirror the very glory of the Lord. And we're being transformed into that same image from glory to glory. Now, I don't know about you guys, but when I look in the mirror, I don't always see the glory of Jesus. It's because I'm being synced up with him. I am being 
I'm in this place of transition. He also says that not only will it take time, but it will take, there are certain things that we have to know, methods, there are certain elements, certain keys to this transformation taking place. The first one is his word. The second one is his spirit. And the third one is a thing called devotion. You know, if you want to abide in Jesus, if you want a life where you are paired with Jesus, where his spirit is making himself known in you and through you, you're gonna need to spend significant time soaking in his word. You know, in verse seven, he says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, then you will ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Abide is, is actually, it's a word in English that comes from the same root as another, another word, abode, which means a house or a dwelling place. And what Jesus is talking about here, he's saying that we need to make our, our lives, we need to make our, a home in him, our home in him, but then his words need to make a home in, in us. And I, I imagine that if his words are planning and moving in to our lives, that they're gonna wanna do some remodeling. They're gonna wanna do some redecorating because I know I don't think God's thoughts after him. I know that my life isn't in sync with Jesus. That's transformation. Later in chapter 16, right after this chapter that we're looking at, Jesus says that another part of this transformation is that his spirit will also come and, and, and make his home in us. He will make his abode in us. And God's spirit, when he comes in, he is the one that he comes in, he brings energy, he brings life, he brings power to these words, these words that have made home in us so that they begin to change us. They begin to transform us to make us more like Jesus. The power of the Holy Spirit is what brings the very power of God into our lives and does the impossible, does the supernatural in us and then through us. But then it's in verse four that we find a key, a key that really has to do with our response, our side of the response of this process, where Jesus says, abide in me and I in you. Now, sometimes we take this to mean he's saying, abide in me and then I will come abide in you, as if somehow we have to make the first move. We have to get our abiding peace right before Jesus will show up. But God never works that way. God always moves first. It was when we were still enemies with him that he gave up his life for us. It was when we were still in our sins that he laid down his life to forgive us for our sins. So God is always moving first. So rather than taking it that way, we really should see it. This is Jesus throwing a challenge out to us. He's helping us to set the target in the right place for what we should be aiming at, what we should see ourselves as, as aiming for in this relationship with him. And he says, so he's not, he's not saying, first you move and then I will abide with you. Rather, he's saying, listen, learn how to abide in me in the same way you see me abiding in you. Learn how to devote yourself to me in the same way that you have seen that I have devoted myself to you. You know, one of the reasons that I think so many of our relationships fail Uh, in this world and and why we so often will find ourselves alone is that we we enter most relationships with a certain certain amount of skepticism, a certain amount of hesitation. We're not sure that they're actually gonna have what it takes to go the the distance. We're not sure that they're going to, that we're going to get out of this and we're going to get, um, we're going to get out of this unscathed. 
you know, the problem with that is that that's, that's certain death for a, for a relationship. That's, that's certain doom for a relationship. At best, it will continue, but it'll just kind of struggle on. It'll, it'll be stunted. It won't be what it could be. At, at worst, it will never grow at all. It'll just kind of wilt away. It'll just kind of fade away. Well, Jesus tells us if we're going to enter a relationship with him, we need to, to pair with him that we need to realize that we're going to have to enter it with the same kind of devotion, the same kind of energy, the same kind of all-in attitude that he has towards us. Abide in me really as in the same way that you see me abiding in you. Jesus has entered from the other side and he, he has come and he has given all of himself. He has jumped in with, with both feet. And through that, if we'll come to it with that same kind of devotion, the same kind of intention, he says that this pairing will change our lives, will change the world around us. It will change everything because the very power of God will be seen in our lives and, and, and through us. You know, in the Old Testament, this word devotion, it was a word that, that was used to mean something that you gave to God and, and really without any intention of ever taking it back. In fact, if you took it back, if you took back something that was devoted to God, it was almost seen as bringing a curse upon yourself. That's how fully you had given it. And so Jesus says, you know, I have devoted myself to you. I have, I have gone all in. I have, I've given the last, the last ounce of everything I had. He gave his own life to show us how devoted he was to us. And he says, if you're going to enter a relationship, if we're going to be paired, you need to devote yourself to me in that way too. Now, will that be a process? Absolutely, absolutely. But he wants us to know what it is we're aiming for. He wants us to know that we're not just in this to kind of have this friendship like we have friendships on this earth. That we have friendships where we have a bit of skepticism, that we kind of hold back, that we hedge our bets. He says, we're either all in or it's nothing. We're either abiding in the vine or it's nothing. Abiding in Jesus is a complete abandonment to him and to his word and to his spirit. It's the devotion. So we follow him, we follow his commands, we follow his, his leadership, we follow his lead, we learn from him. He becomes our teacher, he becomes everything to us. And we trust in him completely. So this isn't this abiding thing, this isn't about goosebumps, it's not about like the hair standing up on the back of your, uh, of your neck, it's not about having an experience where everything feels all swimmy inside. Abiding in Jesus is about trusting in him and entrusting ourselves fully to him. Giving ourselves to his word, giving ourselves to his spirit, come what may, and letting him remake us and form us into that life and that person that he intended that we would be. So how do we practically do that? What are some things that we can do to start growing into this abiding relationship, this pairing with Jesus. Well, first, we need to get our devotion on. You know, we need to get better at that. We're not very good at trusting someone in that way to jump in all, all in. Devotion is actually, it's this word that it, it, it contains, it's everything. You're, you're, you're not holding back at all. And so we have to, we have to jump in. We have to go completely in 
and give ourselves to Jesus. So the first thing we can do is determine that we will jump into this thing with both feet. That if, that Jesus, that if he, believing that, if he is who he says he is, that what we'll find is this is one of the most amazing relationships that we can have, that he is that companion that we have been looking for and that we have been chasing all of our lives. And if he isn't, you gotta ask yourself, what have you lost? What have you lost if, if you give yourself completely to Jesus and he's not who he says he, he is? I mean, you may feel like, well, I've, I've, I'd be seen as foolish by all the people who are looking, but we gotta realize nobody's looking at us. Nobody's watching your life. It, Maybe, maybe you'll find that you spent months or you spent years and you've been doing a bunch of Jesus stuff, good things for other people. You've been getting to know the, the, the word of God, which is this amazing book of, of wisdom that has changed the course of history. But of course, you know, if Jesus isn't who he said he is, the other thing you're gonna find out is you don't have to worry about that course if you ever had that curse that comes with devotion, if you, if you ever have to take your life back, if you ever have to take control back, you'll find that, you know, if he doesn't really exist, if he's not the person he said he was, you don't have to, you don't have to worry about that. But the only way that you're gonna find out if he is who he said he is, is if you dive in. He said, you abide in me the way that I abide in you. Second thing we need to do is we need to get into his word. We need to seriously get into his word. Your life will not be transformed by taking 10 minutes a day to just read a, a little blip off of a calendar somewhere that gives you a little phrase out of scripture and you try and remember that as far as you can without losing sight of it over the course of your day. If you want to see fruit in your life, if you want to see answered prayer in your life, if you want to see the joy of God take over your life and transformation, you need to devote yourself to his word as well. You need to devote yourself. You need to let it make a home in you. You need to rearrange your, let it rearrange your thoughts. So you need to be reading it. You need to be memorizing it and not just little phrases of it. Memorizing whole chunks that teach you how to think differently and differently and think in different kind of lines of thinking. You need to wrestle with it until you understand it. So get into his word. The third thing is this. You need to get to know the Holy Spirit. You know, the place that we primarily get to know the Holy Spirit is in a place of prayer. It's in a place where we wrestle with God. And again, it's not the five-minute prayer on your way out the door. It's not that distracted prayer on your way to work. I mean, those prayers where you go to God and you say, you know, God, you said something. You said something that I don't understand. And, and I'm not gonna drop this until you help me understand it. Those kind of prayers, they take time. Or those prayers where you say, you know, God, you gave me a promise and I don't see it happening in my life. And so I need to know how to become the kind of person that you can have that promise actually living through. That kind of prayer. Or the prayer that says, God, you know what? The situation I'm facing or the situation that this person, this one I love that they are facing, they're over their heads and I need you to move. I need you to pull strings that I don't even have access to. That kind of prayer. Those prayers, they take time. They take effort. They take struggle. 
Sometimes they take a lot of time. But what they take is they take you engaging with God's Holy Spirit and engaging with the word so that you can get your head around and your heart around your life and that you can grab hold of them until you actually believe that God will do what he says. And until you hear his voice that says, I will accomplish this, I will do this in your life, until you finally know the abiding presence of the Spirit of God. Jesus intended that our lives be powerhouses for his kingdom. That our, our lives show this work and, and bring forth this fruit, this amazing supernatural fruit into our world that comes straight from his throne. But that will demand a powerful pairing, a powerful pairing that can only be found through abiding in him. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the relationship that you have given us in Jesus Christ. Thank you for the way that you took the first step, that you didn't ask us to, to meet some kind of a standard before you would move, but instead you have provided everything. You have provided the way, you have provided the means, you have provided the spirit, you have provided the word, you have given everything necessary for us to live and to find and to um, experience this life that you intended for us, that you intended us to know. Jesus, help us to have the strength and the courage and the faith to push in, to pair with you, to find the power of what it means to live a life connected with you, fully devoted to you, where you become our everything. You become the one who we see, the one that we look at. Jesus, fill our screens, fill our, our radar, fill, fill everything in our world that as we go through our day, we would always, we would see you, we would pursue you, we would know you, we would be talking with, we would be wrestling with, we'd be being shaped by you. We pray these things again. Father, for your glory, this is what you have intended for us. Jesus, for your glory because this is what you gave yourself for. Holy Spirit, for the glory that you bring in our lives to be brought back to Jesus. We pray these things in your name, amen.